Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome in to Soccer Morning live and on the air in living color on your YouTube machine or just in audio, stereo, usually. Are we in stereo or are we mono? I always forget. I think I record in stereo. I think it goes out in stereo. I don't think there's channels. Can I can I manipulate channels? Or is that something you can do? Soccer morning here on a Monday. Goes out in mono. Okay, regardless, you just hear my voice and we talk soccer. Let's do that today. Thank you very much for joining in. Uh, we will get to your phone calls in this show in short order because it's the Monday after Halloween. And what that means, well, we had a bunch of soccer last night too, a bunch of soccer the weekend in Europe, a bunch of soccer everywhere. There was soccer, soccer everywhere, and there was Halloween, and, and people are recovering today, I would imagine is a thing. I would imagine people are trying to get themselves back into the rhythm of life after doing whatever, they, whether they took their kids out and went trick-or-treating, whether you went to a party or two, whether, like me, you braved the wilds of Washington, D.C. on a Halloween evening when there were entirely too many people outside. Entirely too many people dressed up like idiots, which is the point, and milling about, running into each other, uh, some of them throwing up. That that was a thing that happened. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk soccer. We'll get back, as I said, we'll get back into the swing of the regular show here. Uh, open up the phone lines in just a little bit. Let's do some news. Yesterday, MLS Conference semifinal first legs. DC United losing one nothing to the New York Red Bulls. Dax McCarty scoring the lone goal for New York. An away goal on the road. That's where away goals happen for New York. And they helped. They kept a clean sheet against DC United, who looked abominable. Damian Perinell, the only, only downside for New York. Damian per, uh, uh, per, Perinell forced off with an injury. And then his substitute, Ronald Zubar, comes in and puts an absolute leg breaker on Marcus Halstey. And I'm wondering what the disciplinary committee is going to have to say about that one. Because it came out as a, it, was, it was called a yellow. It was, Zubar was given a yellow when I don't know how that's not a red card. Um, in pretty much every other league in the world, or any league in the world, it's a red card. It may have just been a bad moment for the referee. Regardless, let's see what happens. New York will now go back to Red Bull Arena with that advantage. The only away team to win on Sunday. Portland 0, Vancouver 0. David Usted was huge for the Whitecaps. Maxi Arruti hitting the post in the dying minutes of that game. A chance to give uh, Portland an advantage to go back with. To, uh, or to go to Vancouver with. Instead, no goal scored, and you have to give Vancouver the the, the win uh, with the first half of that tie now over. Montreal 2, Columbus 1, and that game happening at Stade Saputo in Montreal. Federico, uh, Federico Iguain gave Crew SC a lead, but uh, Montreal came back through Patrice Bernier, who scored again, and Johan Venegas stripping Michael Parkhurst about uh, 50 yards from goal, going in and finishing himself. There was a moment of controversy in that game as well, or uh, maybe even a couple of them, but certainly one when Didier Drogba decided he was going to grab onto Steve Clark's leg and hold on. What the heck was that all about? Does anybody have an explanation? And I saw it described. This is perfect for me as I watched that happen. It's a card, but it's, it's a red card, but it's not a red card. It, it, it doesn't seem like violent play. So it doesn't seem to measure what we usually think of as the the, the red card uh, standard, but it definitely isn't good. It isn't cool. I know some Columbus people are upset today. 
We'll see if there's anything retroactive coming from Didier Drogba. Uh, it would be a surprise. So Montreal with a 2-1 advantage in that tie. Seattle 2, FC Dallas 1. End-to-end, that thing was a rapid fire back and forth, at least for the first half hour or so. Fabian Castillo scoring on a break uh, for FC Dallas. Go back and watch the ball for Mauro Diaz. I watched it over and over and over again because it was a fantastic ball. Uh, you had uh, uh, even shits for Seattle scoring in a great on a great solo effort, and then Clint Dempsey hitting a free kick to give uh, give Seattle the win two to one. They'll go to FC Dallas up a goal. FC Dallas has the away goal in their pocket. In the Premier League, Jurgen Klopp got his first league win with a three one win over Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Obviously, heaping some woe on Chelsea. Manchester United held goalless uh, at Crystal Palace. Zero zero was the final there. Arsenal handled Swansea. 0-3, so on the road for Arsenal. Everton dropping 6 at home in a win over Sunderland, 6-2. City beating Norwich 2-1. Former Chelsea physio Eva Carnero had plan, uh, plans to file legal action against Chelsea and Jose Mourinho. She claims uh, Mourinho was instrumental in having her drop from her first team duties. And uh, Mourinho criticized Carnero and head physio John Fern after their actions in the opener for Chelsea this season. Remember, Ed Nazard uh, needed treatment. They won on the field. Uh, Jose was none too happy about it, and the whole thing spun out from there. Certainly, Jose seemed to be obsessed for a while with criticizing a doctor for some reason, and it's not been a good season since. Hmm, wonder why. Former FC Dallas, Kansas City, Fulham, Seattle, and D.C. United striker Eddie Johnson, he also played in Greece, officially announces his retirement at 31. He has a heart condition that is forcing him to retire prematurely. He was drafted as a 16-year-old player by the Dallas Burn in 2001, scored 90 goals in over 300 appearances across many countries, scored 19 goals for the United States men's national team in his career. Werner Bremen and U.S. men's national team forward Aaron Johansson is unlikely to play in calendar year 2015 after surgery to repair a nerve in his hip. This is according to Werner Bremen CEO Thomas Eichen. Uh, Johansson joined from AZ Alkmaar in the summer uh, for about $5 million bucks. He'll also miss those qualifiers coming up for the U.S. men's national team. Those start on November 13th. Boca Juniors won their 31st Argentine Premier Division title last night with a 1-0 win over Tigre. Boca, captained right now by Carlos Tevez, who returned to the club after leaving Juventus this summer. Over a decade away from Argentina for Carlos Tevez, they finished, uh, Boca and Tevez, finished six points ahead of San Lorenzo in uh, the table and are Argentine champions. Let's take a break when we come back. The phone lines will be open. It is Monday. You're groggy. You're you're full on candy, but you're going to call me. Let's talk some soccer. World uh, soccer talk. Oh, Soccer Morning, World Soccer Talk. I'm hangover, too. Uh, what? Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. I can't speak. I, I was not having a stroke, just in case anybody was wondering there at the end of the first segment. I am fine. I, words did not come good. Words problem has, did I. We are back on the air. 
The phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. Let's talk some soccer. Okay, so we've got the MLS Conference Semifinals, first leg in the books. How are you feeling about your team? And if you're a neutral observer, how do you feel about these games? I mean, and I'm never going to stop seeing this stuff. It's fine. Look, Ed on Twitter. I know you're a huge champion for U.S. game, but I'm watching MLS playoffs and the quality of the soccer is shockingly poor. Not good. Not sure what Ed's point is. Yeah, the soccer needs to get better. Does that mean I should stop watching? I don't know. What are you, what's, what are you saying, Ed? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cha- and shockingly poor. Are you English? Sorry. 646-832-39. How, how has the soccer been? I think the soccer on the, in, the, in midweek for the knockout round games... We we saw some good stuff there. I think you have to realize the context, what you're seeing. These are two-legged ties. Typically, that doesn't provide for the most open game. That doesn't provide the first leg anyway. It doesn't provide for some sort of uh, expression of the best MLS has to offer. I watched FC Dallas and Seattle go back and forth, up and down the field for about half an hour last night. And I'm thinking to myself... Is this good soccer? I mean, it's fun. I had fun watching it. The ball's bouncing all over the place like a Super Bowl because of that terrible surface in Seattle. And I'm sorry, Seattle, your surface is terrible. There are some people who are very sensitive about the artificial turf argument. Many of them come from Seattle. It's time to let it go. Okay? Your surface is terrible. Your surface does not make for good soccer. I do not like watching games in in Seattle typically because of the ball bouncing all over the place uh, like it's on fire. That doesn't make sense as an analogy, but you know what I mean. 646-832-3909. And, and look, again, playoff soccer is not always good soccer. We'll see what happens in these second legs. And I, and I think that we've seen over the course of five years that MLS has rapidly improved. I don't know that Shockingly poor is the phrase. Alexander on Twitter, go NASL strikers. Congrats. It's un-American to watch European soccer. Okay. I don't know that that's true. Let's not put that out there. Okay. And I didn't put, I didn't put the NASL in the news this morning, and I apologize for that. Uh, but we have, the, we have Fort Lauderdale in the playoffs, in the NASL. Ottawa, uh, Minnesota United. New York Cosmos, Fort Lauderdale Strikers. The Strikers finishing on 41 points. Two points ahead of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, in the standings, the combined season standings, 30 matches played um, for these teams. They remember, they played a 10-game spring season won by the Cosmos and a 20-game fall season ultimately won by Ottawa. Uh, six points ahead of Minnesota United. And nine points ahead of New York. Now, New York did finish top overall, I guess. They're tied on 56 points with Ottawa, but I'm guessing they have one of the tiebreakers. So the playoff field uh, is now set with those four teams. Not sure about the schedule. Go ahead. Oh, here we go. New York City and Fort Lauderdale um, opening up on uh, Saturday. Ottawa and Minnesota United on Sunday afternoon. So there you go. There's your uh, There's your semifinals. Uh, in the uh, in the North American Soccer League, uh, Ted on Twitter, 
What I learned is referees are too scared to make big uh, make decisions in leg one. Zubar's challenge was a straight red. I don't disagree with Ted that uh, Zubar's challenge was a straight red, and I don't necessarily disagree that referees might be hesitant to make big calls in those moments. Uh, that's a problem. You got to do better than that. Uh, I don't, I don't know if the referee, Oscar Preha was very upset with the refereeing in Seattle. Maybe we'll get to that. Uh, Aaron, Jersey, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Um, I, I, I guess uh, I, I had a quick comment on the on the on just the whole MLS schedule. I I, I don't think they did themselves any uh, benefits by scheduling the matches when they did yesterday. When, uh, when should they schedule everything them? that was being played? Okay, when should they schedule them? Well, I mean, the truth is, if you look at Saturday night, you know, that was kind of a, a okay. good night where you're going to get good attendance well, Aaron, and there Aaron, wasn't big college football on. Well, it doesn't matter because college football is all over ESPN and, and Fox Sports 1, which ultimately means that MLS doesn't have a broadcast location for their games. Sure, but then what happens is it, it just gets sandwiched in between, especially World Series okay, but and also what I'm, in the NFL. What I'm saying, Aaron, is I don't think MLS has. I don't think they have much. Um, I don't think there's much Leverage. they can do. Yeah, they can't do anything about this. I mean, people complain at me all the time. Why is MLS scheduling their games on Sunday against uh, against the NFL and obviously the World Series last night? Because th- because that's when their broadcast partners who are paying them a lot of money more than you know not not the same money they're getting they're paying to other bigger leagues so they consider that but paying money to that, I mean the leagues are paying money to MLS that's when they said we have a place to go we have a place to put your games we can put your games on Sunday because that's NFL day and we don't have NFL on ESPN and Fox Sports one if you Saturday is well, the, yeah and. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, 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 and that's obvious, but it, 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 I think what it does is it, is it impacts the product out to any of the new fan base that could potentially watch okay, it. I, I just because th- I, I think it's, so it's a vicious cycle. Sure, but I, I just think that it's, I, I think, unfortunately, the logistical realities mean that MLS is just going to have to suck it up, deal with this. It's better to have your playoff games on on widely available cable sports networks like ESPN and uh, Fox Sports 1 than to decide that we care more about, um, you know, we care more about trying to avoid the NFL or trying to avoid the World Series, so let's do Saturday and then end up having to be on on Unimos. Everybody complaining about Unimos in the middle of the week, which, again, is a broadcast partner that clearly wants some exclusivity in the playoffs, uh, and, and, and acting like there's just a... Acting like Don Garber can walk into somebody's office and say... We're playing our games here. Please put them on television. It doesn't work that way. No, of course not. I mean, I don't. I, I don't suggest it does. I. I think you know. It's funny. You you bring up Univas. I. I actually think. Um, if anything, get them to put out an English broadcast, and I think you'd, they do. You'd have huge uptake. They do. They you know, do. and and. Uh, they, well, okay. Uh, they, because I, they do. They are committed. I mean, they do with the. Fa- you have to use your SAP function, but yeah, there's English language um, commentary for those games. Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing I was actually calling about originally was sure. uh, just I don't know if you're going to cover the whole Chelsea uh, Liverpool, you know, uh, Kardashian crisis. I guess that's the best way I can categorize it. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to add. On. I don't know what to add to it anymore, Aaron. I mean, if you have some insight here, I mean, I I, I had in the news this morning that Ava Caniero is going to um, is going to to file this legal challenge. We obviously know they lost to Liverpool. Um, it, it just seems that every well, first of all, I didn't get to see the game, so I, I have to put that out there. The other thing is yeah. that it, 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 every piece I see is 
why are they going to stick with Jose? Well, here are the reasons. Or here's the possible ways that, uh, you know, that Abramovich could go. I, I, I don't really know what to add to it. I mean, I think it's becoming, you know, clear that, you know, there, there's always a letdown year, um, and, you know, that, that are natural in cycles. I mean, mm-hmm. for anyone and, and, and any big club. But this is a little different. I mean, you don't find after this many matches. I mean, you know, it's not like this is an eighth of the season or the first two weeks or something. But when you're dealing with now, you know, on your way to, you know, a third of the season. Yeah. And it's clear that at this point, unless something heroic happens, they're, they're not even going to make champions. This makes the whole last meltdown that happened when, you know, Benitez came in, um, you know, the last time, you know, uh, even even bigger. I mean, my view is kind of, this is being set up for Ancelotti if he wants it. I mean, I'm not saying it's set up like someone from the outside is making scary forces but, here. I just mean that it's kind of a layup if this is what he wants. Cause I mean, clearly they have the talent. Clearly they have a deep, deep team with, you know, 60 guys on loan that they can just tap from. So, um, and, 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 and I think they're, kind of positioned well for that. And, and it's clear to me that, that Mourinho just seems to want to go at this point. I mean, it's, and it's just a, nobody just... It's a top 10 job in the world. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, they're, you know, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Chelsea's in that mix somewhere, right? Because not only are they uh, uh, an established team at this point, but they have, the, they, have a, they have an owner with money they can spend. They can spend... Maybe they can't spend PSG money, but they can spend. So... It's 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 such an incredible job, and and I just think that first of all the Jose factor, the guy burns hot, right? I mean, if if he, it's almost as though it's either if it's going great, he's the greatest manager in the world. If if things start going poorly, he's not the guy. He's not that guy. You know, he's not the the reclamation manager. He's got to have it going and 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 marching forward at all times. Otherwise, I don't think he knows how to handle this stuff. I think he's the, yeah. he's obviously he, he's he reminds me enemy. of 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 the Harbaugh's. I mean, where they just go, it's just like you said, burn hot. Yeah. Like in fo- in American football, yeah. they just it's all in one direction. And if you bend a little bit or there's adjustments, they just they don't adjust well. Basically, no, no I, I think that's probably true. I, I am seeing that the uh, ESPN FC has a story up. By Miguel Delaney that says he's got two 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 games to save his job, um, which you know you can argue is more leashed than he really deserves considering where they are fifteenth place eleven points. It I mean it, I'm stunned by I, I really am stunned by this um, because as you said they have the talent and generally speaking it like okay so so I don't know how, I don't know what the conventional wisdom is Aaron but I sort of look at it like this a manager of a top club, a club that should be challenging for titles, a club that should be challenging for Champions League spots, a club that should be in the knockout rounds of the Champions League, a manager can make a little bit of a difference, right? Maybe a 10-15% difference, but that's the difference between third and winning a title. That's the difference between finishing a, a semifinal appearance, a quarterfinal appearance, and winning a Champions League. But the guys who can push a top club that extra 10 or 15% are worth their weight in gold. And to, to, but, but there's the, even even the like replacement level manager can get that team into fourth place. Can get that team into a Champions League uh, quarterfinal or, or or round of sixteen. And to how it's, it's I mean, it's, I think what it comes down to is that that it's obvious the players stop playing for him. Yeah. I mean, that, and, yeah. and my guess is that happened last year or last season, I should say, and or, you know, earlier in the year. And I and I I, I talked to a friend of mine, and, and I think he had, a, he had a very interesting take, which is. 
you know, these players don't live in a vacuum, you know, and, and, and if you don't kind of managing, if you don't manage them kind of through these big cycles, I mean, if you look at how many Latin players he has who play in the Copa, who also played in the World Cup, who played for Chelsea this last year and the year before, I mean, some of these guys are burning so hot for two years that they kind of needed maybe a little bit of a, not, not a downshift, but kind of a, uh, a managed mode where you can manage them into this year a little better and make a hard run, you know, early next year at the, you know, at the title. And it seems like Marino just kind of doubled down on them and, and they just broke. I mean, they did, they just, they had nothing left, yeah. uh, which is an interesting take. And then you add the whole, you know, loss of leadership to Terry Lampard, you know, the whole kind of, you know, losing captains doesn't seem like a big deal, but go ask the San Francisco 49ers what it's like to play without two defensive captains and, you know, and, and half their offensive captains, Frank Gore and so on. So it's like, you know, you lose that leadership and then you burn hot and it just compounds itself and, and you see kind of a complete breakdown. Uh, one, one quick positive thing. Did you get a chance to see any of the U 17 world cup? It's really amazing soccer. And, uh, and they're and they're playing today again. I mean, there's not a lot of coverage, but it's on Fox, so I don't know if you had a chance to, you uh, know, to see any of it. No, I I watched uh, a little bit of a couple of the American games. Obviously, they didn't do that well, so I, I sort of cashed out my interest uh, on a uh, on an intensive level. But just watching it, I know the Nigerians are are very good, or at least been uh, bossing things. Uh, I'm Nigeria sure. looks amazing. If if anyone has a chance to watch them, I mean, they just it looks like this is another golden generation. I mean, they just are crushing teams, you know, with just for, for kids this young, it's really, yeah. I mean, just, it's, it's really great football. Yeah. I should, well, I should be, I'll, I'll be checking it out. We'll see what happens with, with Chelsea, Aaron. I do appreciate the phone call. I, I don't know that we'll ever, uh, ever have an MLS uh, situation where everybody's happy. Cause I've got, you know, I, I understand your point. Certainly you want to grab more fans and, and putting games on, on a Sunday afternoon when there's football and then into Sunday evening, when the World Series is happening, by the way, that's probably not the soccer demographic, but still, neither here nor there. It's a big, big event. Uh, you know, uh, Daniil Sinpinto on Twitter saying this is a good spot for the games, and uh, you know, the ones who are going to watch those games are the hardcore fans or the the core fans, not hardcore, but the core fans. And that's that, but that's not building. That's not growing. That's that's just consolidating. Well, yeah, and and and, and the only last point I have is that. I think with some of the players that were playing, guys like Drogba, who can be obviously a branded draw, independent of him dragging a goalkeeper's leg around for five <laughs> minutes, uh, the you know uh, you know you do have some uplift there that I think could have been a little better managed from a marketing standpoint because you know you do have some high quality players playing right now. It seems as though this is the strategy. I mean, it's very clear that this Sunday run of games is the strategy for whatever reason. And again, I think it's based on the new television deal. I think it's based on when there's space for these games to be fully covered in the way that the league wants them to be rather than sort of jam. Okay, you know, ESPN's going, okay, well, we've got Georgia Florida. I don't know if they did. I think that's probably a CBS game. But we've got this big college football game. We can't run, you know, we can't have this game... We, this game has to start at one Eastern time or, or something. Like, like there's, I don't know what the windows are. That's all I'm saying. And, and I'm not going to presume to think that it, that that MLS is in a position uh, with ESPN or what, with Fox Sports One to sort of dictate where their games happen. I, I don't know how that works. 
Yeah, no, I, and I, I am sure you're right. It's just, I, I guess it would be nice to have seen a little more pre-marketing of, 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 of the matches a little, because you do have good personalities from, from a branding standpoint. Yeah, I don't think, you know, you know I, well, Drogba is a reasonably known athlete in, 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 you know, at least for 20% of the fans in the sure. U.S. And, and, and you wonder if, I mean, okay, that's a function, again, of sort of the way MLS runs its playoff system. And I'm not making this isn't a criticism for me necessarily, but I'm pointing out that, you know, they had games midweek to determine who was going to move on and meet the top seeds in each conference. And so they don't they don't know and they hadn't scheduled anything until Friday morning. That was that was when they had the schedule out for Sunday. So between Friday and Sunday, I mean, you didn't know Drogba was going to be in, in you know, he was, you didn't know he was definitely going to be playing and who he was going to be playing and what time he was going to be playing until Friday morning. So that's that's a little tough. Because they decide, yeah, because I mean, I guess yeah. No, I, I mean that's totally fair. I guess all I would say is that you know you do have a nice soccer audience on Saturday and on, across two, three you know networks that all sort of work together. That if you know that, you use those ad times and you start pounding the message in, and 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 at least you kind of build a little bit of hey, let's go watch you know this yeah. this kind of event, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but you know I, I'm sure this is just going to be one of those things that. They have to struggle through and, and maybe adjust the schedules a little bit in the future where they get out of kind of the World Series cycles and maybe big NFL games and maybe they, they delay oh, this is, extra week uh, or something like that. This is why, producer, thanks for the call, Aaron. This is why, I, I'm going to let you go, yep. but, but great stuff. Thanks for the call. This is why, producer, Trevor advocates a season switch, guys. I mean, I, I, I can't get past the winter months and trying to figure out how to schedule around weather uh, concerns in a lot of places. Um, I don't know if we're advocating for a winter break a la the Bundesliga or not, but producer Trevor says flip your season almost entirely because your playoffs are getting buried. And it's hard to argue that the playoffs aren't getting buried. I haven't seen tele- I haven't seen TV numbers today, but I know the midweek games did eh, like eh, like maybe very eh, I don't know. I think what MLS is looking at here is that they they need to establish some sort of I, I don't even know, trench for their stuff. They need to, to work out how to how to run their playoffs with these television partners to the best of their ability while admitting that they're going to be, A, buried in some cases, and B, just not in good spots television-wise. It's just it's something you can't, oops, can't, something you can't do. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to our man Roberto in uh, Connecticut. What's up, man? Hey Jason, how are you doing? How was your weekend? I'm 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 doing I'm doing well. Sorry, well, good weekend, Roberto. Go doing ahead. Well. I may have clicked on the wrong yeah, button. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead, Roberto. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, I had a good weekend. I saw um, uh, the Red Bulls win, which I honestly I think that the first leg is good. I mean, you're winning one 0 away, but um, I think that puts them in a good advantage heading into the second leg, don't you think? Absolutely. They got an away goal, and they didn't give anything up. I mean, mm. yeah, you'd love to win by more, especially considering their advantage in that game and the way the DC United played. Exactly. But, but come on, you're fine, and you don't—that's not a team that loses at home. No, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, that would be nice. I would love to see them in the um, the almost Cup final, but that's—it's too early to think of that. But the reason why I say that is because, if I'm not mistaken, the almost Cup final is on December sixth. I believe it's this. Sixth, yeah. Is that, is that a Sunday? 
It is a Sunday. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, December 6th. I always and get, it's the day I turn 18. The day you turn 18? Yep. Wow, Roberto, I'm just have to say, first of all, F you for being so for so young. But uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, 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 I mean, if you, if I don't know what a better, uh, if there could be a better birthday present than, than something like the Red Bulls in the, exactly. in the last no, couple, uh, final. Exactly. Yeah, that would be great. That would be amazing. Would yeah. Be so uh, you you have to go. If it's your birthday, you have to go, right? If it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've already planned it. I'm saying if the Red Bulls make it to the finals, I'm going no matter right. what. Well, now I have a reason to root for the Red Bulls to make it to the finals so that Roberto can go. For his 18th birthday, man. Uh, the only thing that would make it better is if you were turning 21 and you could have a beer while you watch. But, hey, it's okay. You'll get there one day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got anything exactly, else? I mean, definitely. Roberto, what do, you, what, do you, uh, yeah. what do you make of the comment that the soccer's been bad? I'm sorry? What do you make of the comment that I had on Twitter that soccer's been terrible in the playoffs? Um, I would agree. I, I think there has to be more entertaining action, but... There's still, I think there's um I think it's the way American soccer has been in the past few. I, I talking about American soccer as a whole or just like no, just the playoffs. Wide this weekend. Just, just the just the just these games. This, let's just stick with these games this weekend on Sunday. Ah, yeah. First leg. Well, well, you, well, you can't really call the um the dull match against um Vancouver and Portland. That's for sure. And obviously the one 0 victory in the last few minutes between DC and Red Bull. That's for sure. But um, yeah, I think it's still early to tell. If if the second leg proves to be more entertaining, then that's all we're hoping for, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for the first leg of a two leg series being cagey, right? That's the word we like to use. Except, you know, Seattle mm. and FC Dallas was not. It was up. It was up and down, up and down, up and down. I mean, it, it was it was it was sort of nuts for a while. How fast that game was going. You you obviously had. I sort of look at it this way. Yes, I would love for this to be the best soccer in the world. I know it's not going to be anytime soon. I would love for it to be, quote-unquote, better. But as, as long as it's entertaining, as long as there are some interesting things, as long as there's storylines to take out, I mean, you know, uh, Ronald Zubar's tackle. Yeah, that, that should be a red. That's something we get to talk about today. Um, David Usted playing well. Keeping Vancouver, uh, keeping a clean sheet for Vancouver. That's something we talk Maxi Rudy hitting the post in the dying minutes. Um, obviously, uh, Didier Drogba grabbing Steve Clark's leg. I mean, we get to talk about that today. As long as the playoffs provide those, those moments and those, those narratives, I'm good. Yeah, and the, the example of that was the, um, the Seattle-LA game a couple of days ago. That was a clear example. If we could have more games like that, then yeah. the MLS Cup playoffs would be far from entertaining it would be hugely entertaining yeah i agree with that uh well hopefully we will and again that was a one-off versus a two-legged a two-legged series so we're going to see we should see something more fun in the second leg at least as teams get desperate towards the last half hour or so if they're down a goal if they've got to overcome an away advantage i mean this is what this is what you would say the red bulls perfectly positioned okay perfectly positioned portland vancouver (laughs) vancouver that's that's pretty good for them. They they may have wanted a goal, but that's that's pretty good for them. Montreal with a two one lead over Columbus, but Columbus has an away goal. So if Columbus wins one nothing at home, they're through. Uh, Seattle. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's the that's the most entertaining one. Yeah, and then Seattle and FC Dallas, the same thing. Dallas gets an away goal if they can go back to Toyota Field, whatever that's called, Toyota Stadium. I can't remember. And and if they get one, 
and they keep Seattle off the board. They win. They, they win one nothing. They go through because of the away goal. So there's something. There, there, there's intrigue here. Is what I'm what I'm saying, Roberto. Yeah, the storylines have been interesting. That's true. Just have one last question. Um, what do you think of the possibility of Messi not going into the El Clasico in late November? You think that gives the advantage more to Real Madrid now to finally win this? Uh, I mean, I haven't really been. I haven't been on top of my La Liga. I know what uh, is Madrid at the top in, on the top of the table right now. They have, they're, they're not uh, they're up, level, level with Barcelona. Okay, but they're not giving up goals, right? That's uh, that's certainly something that uh, is no. marking this this Real Madrid team. They're giving up four goals all year. Um, in, in 10 matches. I, I would say that that's an advantage for, for Real Madrid, but you still have to stop Neymar. Is, is Suarez healthy right now? You still have to stop Suarez. Yes, he scored over the weekend. So it, I, I think it's like, okay, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you would, I, I don't have a good analogy, but it's 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 better for Real Madrid if, if Messi doesn't play, but I don't think it has a lot to do with who wins that game. Well, yeah, it definitely. Well, it definitely gives them the advantage in the league. That's for sure. Sure, you know, they're sure, both yeah. level on points, only separated by goal difference. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, Roberto, man, appreciate right, the thanks, call. Jason. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to you, man. There goes uh, Roberto yep. up in Connecticut. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. It's your phone number. We are here on a Monday talking about everything. We've touched on Chelsea. We touched on the MLS Cup playoffs. We obviously touched on La Liga. There, Real Madrid, top of the table. Their goal differential is 20 in 10 games. It's 20. They've scored the most goals in the league, and they've given up the fewest. So that 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 means, yeah, that means they're playing pretty good. That means things are going pretty well for, for Real Madrid right now. And it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about whether or not this was, uh, <laughs> you know, whether or not it was a, a good situation for Real Madrid. Whether or not they had made the right choice with Rafael Benitez. That seems to be going okay. Now, look, they, they obviously, they're going to be in a dogfight with Barcelona all the, the, for the rest of the year. No doubt about that. Celta Vigo in third. Go Celta Vigo. 646-832-3909. I will bring this up now, and it's not necessarily the most uh, fun topic, but it's certainly something we should talk about here. Sam Borden, excellent writer at the New York Times. Has a piece this morning on soccer in Russia. Russian soccer denies racism problem even as it vows to solve it, is the headline, the New York Times. I want to try to get Sam Borden on the show at some point in the near future. I would love to talk to him about this very issue, about this story. And I haven't gotten through all of it. But basically the point of the story is that while Russia says we're tackling racism, we're being aggressive, we're taking steps, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. They're also there's all, the same people can also say, "Oh, racism's not a problem here." It's obviously complex. Okay, look, racism is racism and should always be fought against. But in Russia, there seems to be some misunderstanding about where the culture is. There seems to be some some attempts to minimize the seriousness of this issue by some of these people. Here's, uh, here's your, your, your key paragraph right off the top. The job, much like the issue of racism in Russia, uh, Russian soccer is complex. This is the job of being the anti-racism inspector. Uh, as evidence, consider that in a rare interview, the man appointed to fill the role, Alexei Tol- 
Tokachev pledged his office's commitment to eradicating racism in Russia, even as he disputed the notion that Russian soccer is rife with racism at all. Quote, we in Russia take this problem very seriously, Mr. Tokachev said at one point during the conversation at an Italian restaurant. He then added seconds later, quote, we don't consider it as a serious problem, unquote. Which is it? Now, this, uh, the piece, Sam, goes into good uh, detail here to explain why there seems to be this disconnect, this contradiction. And argue that one of the arguments or one of the, the, the uh, bits of information you get here is that after the, after the fall of the Soviet Union, the opening up some borders and, and what was a very homogeneous uh, culture, there were a lot worse things happening for a very long time that maybe aren't quite as bad now. Meaning now it's signs and banners and Nazi swastikas and bananas being thrown. But 10 years ago, people were getting killed for being black. So I don't look, I'm not Russian, not there. Don't know what it's like on the ground in Russia. Don't know what it's like in these stadiums in Russia. But when we see these images, these visuals are very striking. And again, the World Cup's coming up in three years. That's, that's really why the world is starting to turn to look at Russia. That's why Sam Borden is writing this story. Russian soccer, yeah, it's, it's, it's of interest. The league is of interest. The culture is of interest. But we're not looking, we're not putting the microscope on Russian soccer if not for the World Cup coming up. That doesn't mean that if the World Cup wasn't happening, we shouldn't be interested in the, to know or, or to see what Russia is doing about the racism problem. But it makes you wonder if Russia would do anything about the racism problem at all if they didn't have the World Cup coming up in three years and the microscope wasn't on them. A couple of uh, facts in terms of the number of incidents uh, from the, the FAIR network, which is an, a European anti-discrimination organization. According to them, there were 85 incidents of discriminatory, uh, discriminatory behavior classified in the report as either racist or far-right manifestation in Russia from 2014, May of 2014 to May of 2015. It includes, uh, this report includes details on incidents involving monkey chants, fans making Nazi salutes, and a coach who referenced Ebola during a news conference when asked about injuries to players on his team. The same coach later disputed the notion that he might have interest in acquiring Cameroonian, a Cameroonian player in the transfer uh, window because, quote, we have six blacks already, so do you want me to get the seventh one now? I already don't know where to hide from them, unquote. Wow. Let's go to Patrick on the phones. Patrick, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, how are you doing today? Doing good, my friend. What's, your, what's on your, your mind? Um, first, I just want to make a quick point about uh, what's been talked about already on the show about uh, the issues with potentially putting MLS games on Saturday with uh, college football going on. I, I just, you know, want to say as a college student, Saturdays are basically a whole wash of like anything else if you've got a football going game going on at your university. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no way that I would be able to watch any MLS at all on a Saturday. Now, on a Sunday, you're sure you're going up against the NFL and MLB, but that's stuff that, you know, more college students, young people are probably going to be potentially watching on their TV 
where they might also be able to watch MLS. Whereas college football, there are a lot more games going on. You have a lot more people, certainly young people, that are just not going to have the time on that day to even think about MLS. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, you, 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 there's so many different pieces to this, right, Patrick? So you, what you've identified yeah. is clearly that you have a large portion of the very demographic MLS is trying to leverage, the 18 to 25-year-old demographic. If you want to be wider, about 18 to 35 or whatever, that are locked in to a completely di- – not because they don't want to watch the soccer, but because that's part of their cultural experience, right? So as you said, like – if you're if you're a college kid or you're a recent graduate and you went to a college that has any sort of football team, and let's be honest, that's a lot of the schools in this country, uh, certainly all the big schools, yep. that's what you do. You go to the tailgate. You, uh, you know, you, if you're not at the game, you're watching with friends. You're, you're doing barbecues. You're doing parties. You're going to the bar. I mean, I went last week, and because MLS decided to play Decision Day on Sunday only, I was able to do this. Last weekend, on Saturday... I went out to, um, you know, big sports bar. I'm talking hundreds of people and I watch college football. I was watching football with people who went to the University of Richmond. I didn't even know they had a football team, but there was like five or six guys. There were University of Richmond graduates and they were watching their, their team. They're also soccer guys. They would happily watch soccer, but this is what was important to them on Saturday. And, and there was Alabama fans and Utah fans. I mean, there were, this is DC, so it's obvious that there's always, there's people from everywhere. But my point is that that's right. the culture, that's the, the routine we have. And it, it doesn't make sense. And I've always said this you don't have to be a soccer fan to the exclusion of everything else. You don't. There's no rule that says that once you become a soccer fan, you have to stop liking football or baseball or basketball or hockey or whatever. It, it sometimes it's tough to, to weave in soccer to the rest of your sport's life. But MLS can't. It, MLS shouldn't be fighting against these things. It should be trying to find the path of least resistance. I think that's the more. I think that's the smarter way to go, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, literally every Saturday since college football has started, I just sun up to sundown is all about you know our game on that day, and it just be impossible for me to watch MLS. So I'm certainly happy that you know on a Sunday I can sit down the next day and kind of just unwind watching MLS since, you know, that's what I'm into, you know. Right. So. Right. All right, well, appreciate nice. the call, Patrick. That's good uh, Good stuff, man. Got anything else? Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, I uh, just want to maybe talk about college soccer a bit. Um, I, I've called plenty of times. I always bring up uh, my school, Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. heading into the ACC championship uh, next week. Uh, got a game on Sunday, I believe. Um, I don't know. Quickly, I – Maybe I'll throw out some gripes with the college soccer schedule as well because I'm a little upset that uh, we're third in the coaches' poll, like national poll, yet we still get the third seed in the ACC, you know, despite the fact that we have such a wildly imbalanced schedule compared to all of the teams. And um, maybe that's a full discussion for another day, but certainly college soccer needs to look at, you know, what they're doing with their schedule as well if they're ever going to become relevant in a, in a bigger sense maybe yeah. than just uh, – you know, local fans. Yeah, I'm not sure what college soccer wants to be. I think then, obviously, national yeah, I, I'm not national soccer fans and MLS fans and NASL fans tend to discount college soccer. Uh, I think I think you know you hit on something because unless you went to the school or unless you're very wrapped up in sort of the scouting and and, and developmental structure of the U.S., 
most people don't pay attention, right? Most people don't know much about college soccer. And no, I don't I, I mean, you know, whereas whereas you have a, a thousand interests trying to push college football to be bigger and bigger and bigger because oh, let's let's make more money. There is no draw. It's pretty. Everybody's in their little box, in their little provincial box in college soccer, and they're happy to just kind of trudge along. I'm not sure that there's some like I don't. Does does college soccer have a business development officer? You know what I mean, like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, because really, you've got a handful of teams that you know draw a couple thousand people, which in terms of college soccer, you know, that's good for them. But you know, bigger picture, even big schools, you know. It's it's just not there. Just doesn't seem to be any game plan. To, you know, move things forward. You know, are we going to build a nicer stadium than just having a couple bleachers? Or you know, are we going to try to promote these games more? It just seems kind of kind of stagnant. You know. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, let's uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, maybe I can grab somebody to have a discussion, sort of about the bigger picture items in college soccer, rather than just about who's good and who's not, uh, which players to watch, because yeah. you know this, these are things that they're going to have to. I mean, they're considering that that um, that schedule change, which I'm not, I don't know if that's ratified or not. I don't remember that's where that stands. Uh, which would obviously stretch. Yeah, the season I don't know out. where that stands. Um, you, you've identified but. stuff like stadiums, um, trying to get more people out. Certainly, there's. Um, you know, college soccer may never be a television product, but so how do they? Yeah, lots of questions, Patrick. Appreciate the comment. Yeah, yeah. All right, there goes. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for talking about both those things. Thanks. Sure. There goes uh, Patrick in South Carolina. Let's check in with uh, Jeff down in Orlando. What's going on, Jeff? Jason, good morning. How are you? Doing well, sir. What's on your mind? Well, uh, talking briefly about the the MLS playoffs. Uh, the schedule is what it is. I, I think they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. I actually think they attacked it the right way and just having the games back to back to back. Just try to get, you have a, a group of people, a core contingent that are going to want to watch it. So make it convenient. Just make it back to back to back and try to keep as many of them as you possibly can over the course of the day. I thought that was the right way to handle a, a tough spot. I, I think you're probably right. Again, I think this is the best of a bad situation for MLS. And when I say bad situation, it's just sort of recognizing where they fit within the hierarchy, not just of American sports, because soccer doesn't have the tradition of college football or the NFL, certainly NFL's a juggernaut, or, or Major League Baseball, but they, you know, and, and also hierarchy of, of television spots, right? I mean, you could almost, you could make an argument, and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to, to criticize MLS or make MLS diminish MLS, but you could make an argument that they're, they're actually very lucky that they are getting what they're getting because of the, the live sports TV bubble that exists. I agree. I agree. Um, in terms of the, the quality of play, um, that's that's tricky, too. It's, it's the standard home-and-home uh, home type of, of setup, I believe. I mean, I was hugely entertained by the knockout round. I mean, I, yeah. I don't necessarily think it's it's the best way to approach a playoff to have uh, every round be a knockout round, but those games midweek were just a lot of fun, and I, I think the the home and home aspect of of this has the favorites maybe playing a little bit a little bit conservative to try to try to not dig themselves a hole. Uh, I don't know. I just I think that's another that's another tough spot, um, and that's. That's the same way in the Champions League, too. I mean, you could see a lot of instances where the first leg of Champions League games tend to be a little conservative and, and maybe a little bit boring. 
So. Oh yeah, no, I, th- I think that that again, that's sort of the a function of the format uh, that we got some not great soccer yesterday. Um, that there was yeah. that there were games that were where teams really weren't going for it necessarily. I mean, certainly Vancouver didn't go for it in Portland. That didn't make any sense for them strategically. They'd rather leave Portland with a clean sheet despite not scoring than giving up any goals and having to to come back from that at home. So. The, you know, if they open themselves up, even if they win, the, the away goal matters, but it doesn't matter so much that you want to concede. So, yeah, I mean, we're just looking at a function of, of a two-legged series. Yeah. And um, last uh, last point for you, and this is, this is not trying to incite anything. This is just a pure question on my part. Charlie, Charlie Boehm, who I believe you have on a guest, as a guest pretty regularly on the program, had a, had a tweet this weekend uh, basically indicating that FC Dallas was a good, good example of what the U.S. national team could be. It had the right uh, influence, Latino influence, that sort of thing. Did you, did you see that tweet? Yes, I did. Yes. I, I'm, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I honestly am, I, I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm just, I would love to hear more about it from his perspective. If okay. he's ever had an article about it or anything to... To, to hear what he has to say and, and you know what what's going on with U.S. soccer that he thinks that you know that what direction it would go based on you know what what his tweet had indicated. Okay, yeah, we we will definitely we're, we're going to reach out to Charlie. Hopefully, have him this week. So I will uh, I'll hit I'll definitely hit that that item because I saw the tweet. I, I kind of know what he means, but to to flesh it out a little bit more would definitely be uh, um, it would definitely be a good thing to talk about on the show, Jeff. So we will we will work on that. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. 646-832-3909. That's your phone number. It is a Monday edition of Soccer Morning. We've talked a lot. Uh, Again, about this is one of the things that's frustrating to me about American soccer. And and I mean frustrating in the sense that I would rather it not be this way, even though I enjoy talking out some of these issues, even though though it's sort of where my brain naturally goes to talk out the big picture issues facing American soccer and these professional leagues, and, and even college soccer to some extent. Uh, but in a perfect world, in a better soccer world here, we don't, we're not talking about, oh, did they schedule these games on the right day against this sport or that sport? And what does this mean? And uh, who, what television concerns are at play? And, uh, do they do this for the, for the attendance? And you know, uh, these, uh, what, what about the quality of the, of the play in the first leg? And in a, in a better world, and in a more mature American soccer environment, we're not talking about these things. We're talking about the results, and we're just talking about the results. We're not drawing it out into some conclusion about what it says about American soccer, if you get my drift. Rather than, sort of, rather than taking everything um, that, that we see and making it, blowing it up into an issue of where the, the sport fits and who they can, what, can, what they can dictate to TV networks and what they can't and what the soccer is like. and Oh, man, what does, what does it say about American soccer that we had ugly games yesterday? What kind of truth does it reveal about our direction as a soccer country that the games were boring or sloppy or whatever, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use? What does it mean? Existential crisis. I would love to get past that. I don't think we're anywhere close to getting past it, but I would love to get past it. 
I would love to find. I would love to be in a place where it's oh, this thing happened. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the events on the field. Instead of oh, look, here's what happened in Columbus, Montreal. Uh, Federico Higuain was was bad for a lot of the day. He was good for a couple of moments. He scored a goal. Montreal came back. Patrice Bernier scores. Uh, uh, is it, what's his name? Venegas completely strips Michael Parkhurst. Oh God, what 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 are you doing, Michael Parkhurst? Scores a goal. Drogba's grabbing Clark's leg. Let, let's, let's talk about that. Not drawing that out into oh, what does that mean? Did anybody watch it? What about the TV scheduling? I don't know. All right, so uh, phone lines. They are a go. We will stick around to the top of the hour. If you guys are done, then we will finish this up at 646-832-3909. I'm here at your pleasure, for lack of a better way of saying it. I stay here because you need me here. Before we took a couple of those calls, we're talking about the story at the New York Times by Sam Borden about Russian soccer racism. And it is a problem, even as the Russians want to deny that it's some sort of overarching problem. Now, I think this is just the Russians circling the wagons, for lack of a better way of saying it. But this is protectionism, even while they are taking action that they do believe is necessary to sort of appease people. I'm not saying that they aren't addressing this, the problems legitimately, but sometimes the, the, um, the show is more important than the substance. A couple of things here. The report that we were talking about earlier notes that while the rate of total incidents recorded has increased, 99 incidents were recorded in the previous two years combined, the incidents were largely, quote-unquote, less aggressive than in the past. One of the people who worked on this report, Natalia Udina, says before it was murders and attacks, they were using knives and it was much more dangerous. Now it is more symbols like flags and shirts and banners. That, th- this is something, okay, but there's clearly a long way to go. And when the Russian football officials do things like suspend uh, Emmanuel Frimpong, a Ghanaian player who's in Russia, suspend him for making a gesture at the crowd after they had been racially abusing him, that does not give you the impression that they are tackling this issue head on or with any honesty whatsoever, or that they view this issue as a real problem. But if we have a World Cup in Russia, these things shouldn't be there. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be happening. Not in the stadiums. I don't expect Russian football authorities to be able to do anything about the Russian culture in general if there is endemic racism. And let's be honest, there's not a uh, white-dominated culture in, a, in the world that doesn't have endemic racism in it. Everywhere that is majority white is racist on some level and you have to work hard to try to push those elements out. So let's not throw stones at glass houses here. But the point about this story is that it's about soccer and it's about making sure that there is an environment for the players to play and the fans to enjoy the games that doesn't include all of these horrific actions on the part of the fans. And it's not... We're not, we're not painting everyone with a broad brush here either. Again, it's difficult to know is it how, how, how rampant this problem is. Miss Udina 
admit, uh, added that she did not expect significant incidents of racism at the 2018 World Cup, in large, in large part because of the traditional Russian commitment to putting its best foot forward when hosting international events. Increased policing and government monitoring of the most aggressive fans, known as ultras, will almost surely, quote, make the tournament safe and comfortable for everyone, unquote, said Alexei Sorokin, the head of the local organizing committee. Now, that's the that's the that's the the least that they can do is make sure that the games themselves do not have those racist incidents. But as Sam goes on to write, the issue is bigger than that. It is off the field. It is around the stadiums. It is traveling to and from different cities to watch their teams. So when the Nigerian contingent or the Ivorian contingent or the whoever, Algerian contingent, any number of groups of fans who are traveling to Russia to the World Cup to watch their team, support their team, add to the vibrant atmosphere that is so notable at a World Cup and makes it so much fun to watch, they don't have to they shouldn't have to deal with any of this. They shouldn't have to worry that if they're going to travel from their hotel to the game, there's going to be accosted or they're going to have to deal with somebody exhibiting racist behavior to them on the street. So I don't. But again, how do you how do you ask football officials, local organizing officials to do something about endemic cultural racism? It's crazy. Go read the story. Maybe we'll flesh this out at a different time. Uh, We are. Closing up shop on a Monday. Do we have one more call coming through? Am I gonna get? I think I might get to one more call here. So while I wait for that to get uh, to get ready, I'll just read this bit. Ted Nutribuza, a defender for the second division club Sol- Solaris Moscow, was born in Russia, but has a Burundi Burundian father and is dark skinned. He said his first encounter with racism came when he was seven and was taunted by other boys for being dark. He got into fights over race when he was younger, he said, but after years of hearing a racial epithet used casually, he became largely numb to it. That doesn't sound like uh, that much different than a lot of places, to be honest with you. John, Philadelphia, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Jason? How are you? Doing good, my friend. What's up? Uh, uh, I was uh, calling about the uh, playoff schedule. Um, to me, uh, yesterday it, it just—it looked like they were just playing to get to next week. I mean, that was as were the midweek games were. That's three of the best games I've ever saw all yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Portland—I I hate penalty shots, and that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was so much so, fun. <laughs> I mean, I never saw anything like that. So, uh, what I would like to see them do is kind of go to that one and done. I think it would make the, the season a little more important because. From that, you would you know you get home field. I mean, the Red Bulls would never have to go on the road. Yeah, yeah, you, you know that. Okay, so so and again, because it's the MLS, because it's growing and changing, and because they've changed things so much over the course of twenty years, um, lots of questions. Oh, we should do only do one offs. Look how great those games were in midweek. All playoff matchups should be one offs. Um, I I like that from the dramatic standpoint, John. But you know, there is something to be said about having home games. For these teams that make the playoffs, not everybody. Those the, the bottom four teams. Well, I mean that's that's it's, you better play good in the season and stop. You know, yeah, that, to right, me, that, right, right. That makes that season way more important. Yeah. And if you did it that way, this would have been the first week of the knockoffs. 
you can finish up the schedule with the cup the day after um, Thanksgiving, which would be yeah. kind of probably the day with the least amount of sports going on. They yeah. can make it into that day. That, you know that, I mean? like that, that is, MLS yeah. You know, I, I don't know if they avoid that day because of the notion that it's Thanksgiving weekend and, and, and you know, you may have some trouble uh, getting as much attention, like media attention. I mean, this is still it's still a sport in a league, Patrick, that depends heavily on part-timers, uh, guys making – I mean, lots of lots of journalists are scraping by, don't get me wrong, in, across a lot of sports. But yeah, he, no, I get that. Even, well, I'm for free. Yeah, even more, even more so in soccer. And, you know, we're not talking about guys. Like, I've been to a – I've been lucky enough to go to, to the last three MLS Cups, okay, through, through complete, uh, you know, just – wacky fortune okay um and i got help i mean i'm not gonna I'm, I'm not too proud to admit that i got help to get to those games to cover those games as media right. because i couldn't front the money to spend 500 dollars on a plane ticket that i didn't know i needed until two weeks ahead of the game so you, you right. know that, that's part of the problem here is that because they've gone and because now they've gone to this higher seed host the mls cup which i, gr- I think is great from a competitive standpoint it makes it tougher for people to travel, and not everybody has a budget or has a company willing well, to send them. That, Go ahead. That last game would give you that, like, 10 days instead of seven. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would move it because it would finish up, and then you would have it. Would, instead of going that next Sunday, you would go until the Friday. So yeah. it kind of give you, like, that week, like the Super Bowl has kind of, you know what I mean, where people have a chance to make travel plans and stuff like that. I'm not saying you have to do it on that Friday, but, I mean, that that would finish up around then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, it makes the games more compelling. If if I'm uh, a fan of soccer but I don't know really about it, and I see we just won one nothing at home and somehow we lost the playoffs, I, to most Americans, I think that would be confusing that don't know the game. To everybody else, we're like, oh, we know why we won. We got two away goals in the first game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that would kind of eliminate that. Okay. Well, it's, so. good, it's a good point, John. Appreciate the call. I, I don't know. I think there's a, a, there's right. a, there's a good, there's a, there's a good discussion to have about the line between pandering, not, not pandering, but certainly catering to an undereducated soccer fan base that's still learning the game. I mean, let's welcome them in with open arms. Let's, let's sit them down and give them, you know, a drink and, and ask them questions and have explain things to them. But there's a line between catering to them and catering to the core fan base that's already there and saying, we value you, we're not going to make it, you know, we're not going to oversimplify things just because there might be some new fans in the room. We're not going we're, we're not, we're not to patronize, pandering and patronizing. That, that's kind of where we are. Like what, which, and it's been an, an American soccer issue for a long time. All right. Good show today. Great calls. Thank you very much to everybody who lined them up for soccer morning on a Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll have, there's a Premier League game today, Tottenham and Villa, I think, play today. Uh, we'll have certainly more MLS uh, playoff discussion. Maybe we'll grab Charlie to talk about that, that the comments about FC Dallas playing the way a U.S. men's national team with more Latino influence could play. Lots of things on the table. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Disappear. What I put my heart on every cursive letter. Tell me why the hell no one is here.